Whether you're hitting the road on your way to work or just hitting snooze. Broadcasting live and local. This is, is Lee Faulkner on 864 Triple M. Yeah, g'day, Lee Faulkner, and this is the podcast version of the show. And, uh, boy, what a show we've got for you uh, coming up. Some uh, fun with You Can't Be Serious. Uh, I had a great chat with Aussie rock legend Ian Moss, and you can find out what he's got happening as far as solo projects and with his band Cold Chisel. That's uh, on the way. We uh, stepped into Triple M's Breakfast Cafe uh, this week to discuss the changes to the tenancy laws around pets that are coming up. Uh, We'll have that for you. And, of course, it's the one thing that everybody uh, wants, uh, that is the smelly boots. Thanks to Bottle Mart, we talk all things at Rugby League in the smelly boot. We've got a full round back again uh, with no Thursday night footy last night because of some game that was on on Wednesday night. I can't remember what that was about, but uh, I'm sure someone or a couple of blokes are going to be reminding me right now. Uh, Gov, good morning. G'day, mate. I'm surprised you're there. And I don't think Matt Burton can remember much about last night either, by the way. Uh, gag I cracked him. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, and it's still going on, and it's still going on. And uh, next week, of course, uh, early next week, I'll be getting the tattoo to remind me even further of the dominance of Queensland. Paul Solid Reedy from k Plumbing Supplies and the uh, Western uh, Clydesdales. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, mate. And look, because Gov and I are your mates, mate. We'll be down there with the tattooist. I'll pick where it's going and Gov can pick the size. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Nothing like the support, mate. <laughs> all right. Well, the dust has cleared. Uh, you know, I know you were all very happy uh, yesterday following uh, Wednesday night's massive clash. But uh, now that the, uh, you know, we're, we're here on Friday morning, the dust has cleared. Uh, were New South Wales that bad or are Queensland just that good? Gov? Oh, mate, Queensland... Um, Two blokes knocked out in the first three minutes, I think. Had their backs to the wall. The crowd um, gave it to them, and they, they, they just battled on. Tommy Dearden had an absolute cracker in his first game. Gee, uh, Benny Hunt ran, raced 70 metres to score that winning try. Ponga got him back in the game. Yeah, What's Tino, his name? Benny Hunt? Oh, that's not what I called him on Wednesday night. <laughs> right, eh? <laughs> Could have been close, but anyway, not <laughs> yeah, to worry. Yeah, Benjamin. Tino, right. Tino just smashed everything all over the track, yeah. So um, really, really great game and uh, absolute magic result. And you've got the tattoo to prove it. Or well, exactly. Work. Thank you. Which Tino were you talking about again? What was his last name? Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, Dino Wilbarrow. Yes, solid. Uh, The Maroons, they just seem to find a way. uh, Missing their best uh, player in Cameron Munster, uh, supposedly, and uh, and a couple of players on the bench for most of the game not coming out to play. How do they do it? Yeah, I don't know. I think that Suncorp Stadium and the spiritual home of rugby league is a real asset to them. But um, New South Wales weren't bad. Queensland weren't better and I think there was one of the best games of origin I've seen, big yeah. hits, it was high intensity um, Queensland you know, had a few tries disallowed and rightly so um, you didn't want to see him win on the back of one of those it was one of the best origin matches I've seen, um, young Dearden come in, he had an absolute cracker of a game uh, on his debut so did that Gilbert, he really surprised me as well, um, they, were, they were awesome across the park but so were New South Wales, just the intensity I think Queensland learnt to maintain it same as New, uh, New South Wales did in the uh, second game. But, yeah, 
Great win. We'll be talking about it for 12 months, according to Andrew Johns. Well, that's I think right. We'll be talking yes. about it for two years if it was up to me. <laughs> well, now we have to put up with the, well, you know, uh, that you blokes will be carried on with for the next 12 months. Uh, and it does drive you mad, Joey. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, we have to get back to rugby league now, uh, NRL, round 18 into the business end of the season. North Queensland Cowboys, they've been the high flyers and uh, they come up against the Sharks. Uh, this is going to be a cracker of a game, six o'clock tonight. Which way do you see this one going, Gov? Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see if did and also um, uh, Valentine Home get back on and Gilbert get back on the track after last night, uh, the Wednesday night's um, performance. Um, tough game. Should be a really good cracking game. Cowboys at home. I'm going to go with them just on the back of a home game advantage. I'm with you. I'm on the Cowboys. What are your thoughts, Solid? Yeah, I think a few of them backing up, um, but they're without McLean as well, who would have been playing for New South Wales, except he's um, injured his hamstring. I agree, this is going to be a fantastic match. I'm going to go with the Sharks just to be against you two fellas, because oh, okay. you both tipped wrong the other night. Well, you tipped wrong the other night. Yeah, I sure did. Uh, you're not wrong there. All right, well, as I say, I'm going to stick with the Cowboys. That home ground advantage, I think, will be enough for them. Speaking of which, uh, Parramatta Reels will enjoy that uh, tonight at 5 to 8 when they take on the Warriors. Uh, they're $1.15 favourites to beat the Warriors, but, uh, you know, given the form, win-loss, 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 I don't know what to do here, Solid. Yeah, I'm a little bit puzzled too. We keep throwing away a game here and there, and it's not like they're um, close going. We're playing terrible when yep. we lose, and when we win, we play great. I think this is the game they get back on track. Junior Paulo's got to back up. Warriors are in a little bit of disarray with players not staying and leaving and not sure who's coaching them anymore. So I'm going to go with the Eels to be back on track for the rest of the year. All right. They were great at uh, Mount Smart Stadium, but uh, they've got to travel back here to Australia and get back into the grind. I don't think they can do it. Uh, so I'm solid number two. I'm sticking with the boys. Gov, well, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, well, as you just advised us, um, Warriors just got home. Now they've got to pack a bag and come back to Combank Stadium, which is really hard task. Paramount have made it a fortress, so I'm going to jump on the Eels as well and see how we go. Oh, yeah. God. They're gone. Absolutely Thanks fantastic. For uh, and for, no, mine, no for mine, RCG should have been in game two and three for New South Wales, but that's another day's discussion. Late now. Uh, it sure is. Uh, Central Coast Stadium then tomorrow night. Uh, we kick off all tomorrow afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon for Super Saturday. Uh, the Roosters up against the Georgia Lawara Dragons, uh, obviously the likes of Tedesco and so forth, they're going to be smarting. And uh, I think it might be enough for them to get over the top of the big red V. Solid. Yeah, I think it will be too. The Dragons were ordinary last week against a, a very understrength um, Broncos outfit. I don't know what happened there, but look, I'm going to go at the Roosters. I think they'll be too strong for the Dragons, hopefully. All right. Oh, yes, I noticed you've been deflecting all the attention to the Origin game uh, as opposed to last week's performance there from the uh, Dragons. Uh, but Gov, can they turn things around against the Roosters, the old foe? Yeah, well, they stumbled against the Brisbane side, as um, Solid just said. Um, Benny Hunt was out because of uh, State of Origin duties. He could be out again this week because he had a monster game against, um, you know, what do they call themselves, down the I can't remember their name now, but anyway, not to worry. Um, tough task against the Roosters, um, but I think they'll still get the job done. All right, and then we go to Four Pines Park. Uh, well, D- DCE, uh, just the uh, the hero of State of Origin, and uh, is he going to continue that form against the hapless Knight? I tell you what, Knights fans will be hoping that Caelan Ponga does anything like he did throughout the State of Origin series, Gov, and which way do you see this one going? Yeah, yeah, well, again, the unknown about whether they back up is the tricky bit, just how much petrol they got in the tank, yeah, so the Knights will be looking for him to have a go. They actually showed a bit of form for about 40 minutes last week. Um, it's a tougher assignment here at Four Pines Park, but I think Manly get away with this one. I do too. Uh, solid? Yeah, I think Manly. Um, 
Daly Terry Evans, as you said, Wednesday night was fantastic in origin. I thought he's been great all this series, even in a losing um, second game. He was very tough. I think he'll lead him around. Jake Trevojevic was fantastic for his two origins. Um, the Knights, oh, I don't know, they're just without Ponga. I hope he plays for him. I hope he has a good game, but I think the Eagles too strong. That is probably the end then of the Manly Seagulls because all three of us are yeah. on them then. Uh, let's then the go... bottle marks. Mally Boot gone. <laughs> <laughs> let's move to Seabus Super Stadium 7.35 tomorrow night when the Titans take on the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, Broncos go to this one firm favourites and rightly so. The Titans have been woeful. The coach is hanging on by a fingernail. Any chance that uh, at home he can turn it around, Gov? Yeah, well, they're normally close games, these ones. But, yeah, the Broncos are showing a bit more form than the Titans are at this time of the season. Uh, local derby, Brisbane for me. Me too, Gov. Uh, sorry, Solid. Yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> going to be tough. I really want to see the Titans perform. But as you said, there, there's something going wrong down there at the Gold Coast. So Broncos just seem to be going well. So I'm going to put the kiss on them as well and go with the Broncos. Well, never any doubt there. Solid as a rock with his uh, former <laughs> associates there in the Titans. Absolutely. And you wonder why they walked away. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> they ran. They ran away. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, then we go uh, from Come there. Come on, boys. I've got feelings. Not many, but I've got them. <laughs> <laughs> Combank Stadium, Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock. Well, the West Tigers, uh, another team that's been in fair disarray up against the Penny Panthers. Uh, and again, poor old Nathan Cleary. He's copping the brunt of it. Uh, I think it was a, a, a team effort that uh, lost that game on Wednesday night. But uh, I'm sure they'll bounce back and I'm going to uh, be on them to beat the Tigers. What are your thoughts, Solid? Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's copping. I actually think it was more Luai. I think he didn't do what he should have been doing out there. He was leaving a lot up to Cleary. He was having a bit of a crack, but I think he'll try and stand up this week, um, Luai, and um, I'll go with the Panthers over the hapless Tigers. Gov? Yeah, I see the Tigers. I see Timmy Sheens is playing next year. Well, coach, I'm the two. I can't remember what they said. <laughs> um, right. But I think I don't <laughs> think that's going to help them next year, and I don't think it's going to help them this year. Panthers for me. Yep, me too. All right, Melbourne Storm. They are unbackable favourites at AB Park, four o'clock in the afternoon against the Canberra Raiders. I I wouldn't have thought the Canberra Raiders were that far off the mark, but uh, the bookies seem to think so. They got it wrong on Wednesday night, though, because uh, these were very similar odds to what you get New South Wales and Queensland. How do you see this one going, Gov? Yeah, look, the Storm have got the wobbles up. They've uh, haven't been yeah. playing real well. I said they get Munster back and uh, can't, uh, go around Hughes and um, be happy with that around the halves. Uh, Harry Grant back at um, hooker. Um, yeah, I'll look, I'm not happy fussed in um, the Storm. They haven't been going really well. The Raiders, I just don't want to put the kiss of death on Troy. Um, I'm going to go the Storm in a really tough one, but gee, the Raiders are a chance. Well, I'd be more than happy for you to put the kiss of death on uh, the Butcher because he was into me very early on Thursday morning, I can assure you of that. Uh, <laughs> so I was hoping it might be the case. So solid, which way are you going? Yeah, look, I'll go at the Storm. Felice Cafusi's right. back with all the others that he said, so I'm going to go on the Storm, mate. I think the Bellamy will have their season back on track today. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, the Storm it is. And then the final game at Acor Stadium, quarter past six Sunday night, is the South Sydney Rabbitohs, absolute favourites over the hapless dogs. So I know you've got an association there, Solid. Which way are you going? I knew you were going to lead into that, just so you could pick on me when I pick the Rabbits. I'll go the Rabbits, give them a chance. Oh, of course. Never in doubt, Gov. Absolutely. Solid as a rock. A great... When Phil Gould catered to him, we promised him he'd be absolutely <laughs> solid as a rock. Uh, and here we go. Unbelievable, go eh? Fair yeah. dinkum. Yes. Come on, you pair. How about you just pick who you're picking instead of picking on me? No wonder I need oh, following after this. Well, I'll be that'll do, the mate. bottle mark for a little bit of counselling. That will dead set do, mate. 
Like, Such a slow walking target, it's hard to throw something at yeah, it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> He's a, solid as a sandcastle, this bloke, at, at high tide. I mean, unbelievable. All right, which way are you going, Gov? Yeah, Latrell Mitchell back. I'm assuming Cameron Murray will be out because he doesn't even know where he is at this point in time. But I think they do enough for Rabbits to get away at this point. Me too. Rabbits, it is for me. Uh, all right, Solid, what is happening locally? Yeah, look, some fantastic rugby league as we return uh, back here in Toowoomba. Saturday night's going to be a cracking game. The Dolby Diehards are taking on the Valley's Roosters out there at Dolby. That'll be a very, very good game. Sunday, we see the Gundawindi Boars take on Warwick. Uh, they love playing against each other. And then uh, also on Sunday, Pittsworth taking on Highfields. Uh, that's going to be a great game as well. And on Saturday afternoon, Waddles take on Newtown. And they've also got the Wagners, Clydesdales taking on Central Queensland Cappers at 2 o'clock out there at uh, Platts Oval. So make sure you get out there on Saturday. Fantastic. And a big thanks to Bottle Martin. Maybe the uh, sponsors might turn up next Tuesday morning to help me out as uh, I get branded a Queenslander for life. Thank you, boys. Enjoy the rugby league. Cheers. Dolby League's club. Sponsors product Saturday night. Let's do it. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious. And the good news, it's been 10 years since the ominous 2012 predictions that the world was coming to a catastrophic end. The bad news, another, is just around the corner. To be fair, the end of the world has been predicted numerous times in the past few decades. Who could forget the millennium when people thought the computers going to zero, zero would wipe out technology and possibly mankind along with it? Or 2012 when the Mayan calendar ran out and everyone assumed that was the end of life as we knew it. Others even argued that the 2012 prediction was wrong and that the actual end of the world was 2021. And to be fair, it did feel like that at one point. Now, while none of these predictions came true, a new date has gained traction. Friday the 13th of November, 2026. But where did this prediction come from? Well, not a horror movie, but instead a scientist. Heinz von Forster, a Vienna native that spent much of his adult career working at the University of Illinois in the US. In 1960, the physicist, philosopher and researcher suggested that the world would end due to overpopulation in 2026 using a mathematical formula to calculate the date. He wrote in a study, our great-great-grandchildren won't starve to death, instead they'll be squeezed to death. In the study, Forster also says of November 2026 that the population of the world will reach infinity if it continues to grow as it has in the last two millennia. But don't worry too much though, infinity's a bit unrealistic and the world's population only likely to reach 11 billion by 2100. And then of course the odd government sanctioned billionaire funded global pandemic every 100 years or so provides a bit of a handbrake. But no, I mean if you really want an indication that the world as we know it is coming to an end, it's this version of a rock classic by New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet. You cannot be serious! you got to love this. What a show we've got coming up at the beautiful Empire Theatre on Friday night from 8 o'clock. Ian Moss and Troy Casadaly on their Together Alone tour. And there's still a ticket or two available for you to grab through the Empire Theatre website. And joining me for breakfast this morning is Ian Moss. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you going? Oh, mate, I'm well. And uh, I know you guys are, are just loving the uh, the tour so far, getting back out and, and doing what you do after all those couple of years that we had to sit on our hands and wait for you to get back on the, on the road again. Yeah, mate, uh, it's, it's been a pretty tough couple of years. Um, 
you know, for me, thankfully, it was a good time. I, I used it wisely, got stuck into some writing, and I'm about 90% of the way recording through recording a new album, but uh, you, sh- you sure miss being on stage and uh, performing for people. No doubt about that, I'm sure. Uh, congratulations on your first golden guitar, of course, uh, alongside Troy Daly with the, uh, the song South. Yeah, that's a beauty, huh? It took me a while, but uh, I finally got one. Finally got one. He's got about a thousand of them, Troy. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but how? What a great experience! Did you enjoy the whole uh, Tamworth country music experience? Yeah, I did. Look, uh, I was I was uh, uh, I actually got to play at the, the the fabulous Long Yard Hotel. I'd never never been there before in my life, and boy, what a fantastic gig! No. Um. Shades of uh, Nashville, boy, uh, uh, where I spent um, uh, some time back in 2014 writing for my last album, the self-titled album, Ian Moss. Yes. Uh, and uh, But, uh, yeah, just beautiful to be in town, that, that great atmosphere. Um, if I had my way to say, guys, can you hold it this time? Can you hold it this time of year, which ended up being in April. But yes. This year, COVID, every year, because... It's too bloody hot in January. <laughs> I'd agree with that. That whole New England area gets very, very hot uh, during yeah. uh, during summer. Uh, you guys have known each other since sort of the early part of the 2000s, and, and I believe that you met uh, in a studio uh, over the song Dark End of the Street. That's correct, yeah. Um, Troy's idea, most unexpected. He said he'd got in, t- in contact with me. He said, mate, been a, been a fan for a while, which is nice. I had no idea. Uh, and 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 you both your guitar playing and singing, but uh, I'd love you to do a, a vocal duet with me on on that on that song you just mentioned. And it's a uh, it's a great song. We can both get you know. I find Troy might be labelled as a country singer, but he's got a terrific blues element to his voice. Uh, and uh, so that that went really well. In fact, we include that song in our set. That's uh, one of my favourites for sure. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful song. There's no doubt about that. And of course, your good mate Barnes he did a version in 2016 alongside Dan Penn uh, on Soul Searching. And boy, oh boy, uh, so yes, both of you treat that song just beautifully. Uh, so you obviously found that there was a, a bit of chemistry there between the, the two of you and and what you do. Uh, and and of yeah. course that now transpires onto the onto the stage where you get to sort of play on each other's songs, which uh, I, I'm sure is a bit of fun. Yeah, um, it, it is a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's worked out really well. We're both, so how it works is we're both on stage all night. We're um, on acoustics, uh, though Troy does drag out um, his ganjo, <laughs> which, uh, to explain what that is, it's like a, it's like a banjo, except um, the normal banjo will be of a smaller scale and have a... Uh, Four strings or four and a half or something—it's something weird. But this is, ganjo is more like a like a guitar, so it's a six-string thing. It's got got a banjo body, which he which he bought off. Um, he tells a wonderful story how he bought that off uh, Anthony from the Wiggles. Oh, good grief! Uh, but, so he he jumps on that for a couple of songs, and uh, we do we do song for song all night and um, support each other on, on, on you know, both playing our 
our hits, I guess. That's and that's how the song rolls. That's how the night rolls. I love the fact that you designed the tour to start in Grafton, which is where, of course, uh, TCD's from, and then you end in Alice Springs, which is which is where you're from. And I think that is just wonderful. And I and I know that you you, you quite famously like to drive uh, to as many gigs as you can and really explore the country while you're going. I just recently took my family from here in Toowoomba down to Jindabyne and and back again to see the snow during the last school holidays. And uh, as is always the case, Cold Chisel, your albums, uh, Barnsley's albums, that that features my. My kids know the songs back to front. What what are you listening to when you when you're taking those long country drives? Say, or are you a podcaster, or do you do you just uh, you have music on? What what's on in uh, in in Mossy's car? Um, yeah, a bit of both. Well, the, you know, the, the the podcasts are pretty pretty good. Yeah, you know, and my my favourite is the uh, everyone's probably heard of Case File. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, which is all about um, generally sort of. Some some horrendous cold cold blooded murders. Yes, uh, and there's no shortage of them. And there's, there's just uh, uh, yeah, yeah, some some bent people out there. Oh, there certainly uh, are. You you might well, like Naked City. I've been listening to that one after going through the case file ones. Uh, Naked okay. City with John Sylvester, who's a, a crime reporter out of New South Wales, and I uh, you know all the the Melbourne crime gang stories and all that sort of stuff. It's brilliant. Okay, I'll definitely uh, file that one away. Um, yeah, that but you know. I, I I I'm still a bit of a guitar nerd, and so I just, I like uh, particularly uh, yeah I think I've heard all, all all the best rock players in the world, so I, I, I tend to listen to a lot of jazz players. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Barelli Legrand, French guy, is one of my favourites. Uh, European gypsy jazz wow. stuff. Um, yeah, so, so it's either that case file or or or, or gypsy jazz. Fantastic. Uh, now, you've been doing something very special with this tour. You've been connecting with fans uh, in the VIP experience. That's a sellout, that part of the concert, I can tell you, uh, as far as that's concerned. Do you like that process of uh, you, you, they, they sit through the, the sound check and then you get to have a, a, a real connect with the fans? So, uh, that you know, it's something a little bit different. Do you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, I do. It's, um, I mean, that's something you know, we, we have been, both sure and have been doing after gigs, in recent times, yeah. uh, uh, which uh, we, 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 what we used to do is it was particularly with solo acoustic. You would do your gig, you'd go out afterwards to, to uh, your, your most desk and meet meet people there and sign things. But um, you know, COVID sort of put put a bit of pay to that. Yes, plus um, we, we, we're finding we'd, uh, it's better to get that stuff done before the show. Now, uh, right so afterwards, we can. Uh, Particularly, you've got to get. You end up being the last person to leave the building. That's <laughs> if, <laughs> when you do it afterwards, and uh, you think, "Hey, I've got another show tomorrow night. I've got to sing again. I, I, I didn't need to be standing out here chatting in the cold." But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, hence the explanation for that. But it, you know, it's it's good. You know, people get to see a little more. They they get to see the show. They still get to talk to you and sign stuff, and they get to see how it works a little bit. How the prep, all the whole preparation. Angle works, 
He's young. He's, most people come out, come there, and we're all set up, and they just see the lights come on and bang up, away we go. But they get to see us setting up and messing around and sound checking and trying a bit of this, trying a bit of that. And, oh, yeah, fantastic. good experience. Now, you mentioned uh, just finally that you, you're almost all the way through a, a, another solo album. Uh, so uh, we're looking forward to hearing that completed and, uh, and getting that one out there. Uh, anything else on the horizon with Chisel down the track? Mate, nothing, nothing being planned or spoken of yet. Uh, but uh, I know there's plenty of uh, petrol left in the tank for all of us. Oh, fantastic! Um, I'd just have to say, watch the space for now. Oh, that is brilliant. Well, I've been a died in the wool fan since 1980 when I first heard the album East. It, uh, it was a life changer, and, uh, and I've never changed. And uh, I'm so pleased that I get to play so many of the songs in there, including yours, uh, your solo stuff here on my show over the last 25 years. And uh, I, I look forward to playing uh, all of those songs for many years to come and, and enjoying them. You will enjoy a wonderful night of uh, just great entertainment. The Empire Theatre, grab yourself a ticket to see Ian Moss, Troy Casadale, together alone to a coming up this Friday night. Uh, as always, Ian, thank you so much. A pleasure and an honour to have a chat with you. Thanks, Lee. Looking, looking forward to, get, to getting back to Toowoomba. I'm joined in the studio this morning from McDonald Law, Sarah Jane McDonald. Good morning. Good morning, Lee. And from Toowoomba Regional Council, uh, Councillor Melissa Taylor. Good morning. Morning, Lee. All right, look out. Let's get straight into it because we've got something very important to talk about because it really reflects a situation that we've got here at the moment. Landlords will have to comply with a new rule in Queensland which says you won't be able to say, uh, I don't want a tenant with pets unless they can prove a really good reason why that is the case. I uh, and and there is some concern about that, and I'll I'll, I'll come to you in a moment, uh, Councillor Teller, because uh, as I say, it reflects a situation we've got happening here. I uh, but uh, Sarah Jane, uh, this is a, a pretty massive change to the uh, rental law, and obviously des- designed to make sure that tenants have an opportunity to to have a pet like everybody else. I uh, but you know, uh, from a legal standpoint, are we going to see uh, landlords trying everything they can to get a to find a loop? hole in this and get around it and still not allow people in with a pet? Is it going to be as black and white as it would appear uh, to be? Uh, potentially not as black and white, I, I suspect, but most things in life are probably full in that category. Exactly. Um, but I think what we'll probably see is an interesting um, change to how advertisements happen. So obviously the intention with this is that there's a lot of people who have pets who for one reason or another have sold their house in the boom, can't buy another one because the time's not right, or they've moved into town for a job or whatever it might be, and they can't get a rental property because their pets are part of their family and they're not willing to give them up, but they also can't find a house that allows pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what will stop now um, under these rules is that you can't blanketly have a listing for a rental property that says no pets allowed. It will have to say, you know, pets on application. And the general proposition will be that pets are allowed unless you can prove specifically to that property why it's not appropriate. So yeah. for instance, uh, the um, specific property doesn't allow it under body corporate rules. Yep. So you're in or, a unit or something, you can't have seven Dobermans. Exactly. Yep. Or it's not the property itself doesn't allow it, you know, you you can't have um, something that might be dangerous there or something like that. So I think we might see um, landlords applying to their body corporates, uh, trying to change their body corporate laws, because if they have rental properties, if they were able to change that body corporate rule to say that, you know, a certain dog type or a certain animal wasn't allowed to be there, then they could use that as justification to say that animals weren't allowed in a rental application. So I think there'll be some changes from there. But I also think the interesting thing here is that, um, 
part of the proposal is that landlords will no longer um, be able to, uh, or rather tenants will no longer be able to say that wear and tear to a property includes damage from an approved pet. So if a pet is approved at the property, um, wear and tear from that pet won't be included, which means that a tenant will have to return the property to the same condition at the end of the lease as what, what it was at the beginning without any pet. So if you've got a dog who's dug holes, you've got to go and get the soil to fill those holes. I think that's fair enough. That's right. I mean, I do think that's fair enough. Whereas at the moment, if you are a landlord who approves a pet, you can't do that. You have to wear it. That's right. So there's almost, I I think in a way, yes, it does reduce the rights of landlords to reject pets altogether, but it almost gives you more rights than you have now as a landlord to be able to say, Mm. well, you know, we have to return it back to this exact condition. So it's quite an interesting way to do very interesting. I had no idea about that other aside to it there, because uh, as you would know, Councillor Taylor, we have a situation in in our city that's reflected in many regional cities. Uh, There's a story today in the paper, you know, a thousand people currently waiting for social housing and the Darling Downs. We have a rental crisis that sees 50 to 60 people turn up to an open house for a rental property. Mm. Uh, Is this going to spook more investors perhaps? Is this, you know, is this another nail in in the situation that we've got that we really don't need where investors are going to go, you know what, this is just too much. I don't want to put my house up and have people with half a dozen dogs and cats and whatever else because the rules are going to say that uh, I have to let them now and and are we going to end up in a a worse situation because of this. I actually don't think it will, Lee. I, I think the protections of being able or having the ability to say it must be retained or the property must be returned in the same condition as what it was before. But the, can it ever really be? Well, I mean, you know, the smell in the carpet and the... I mean, it's a bit like, you know, the smoking and all of those things. Can it really ever, even with good cleaning, can ever really go back to the way it was if the pe- if the place had never seen a pet and all of a sudden has had two or three, you know, big dogs in there? Well, I, I, I think that's where it also comes to what type of dog or what type yeah. of pet. Yep. I mean, you can't really have an Irish wolfhound in a one-bedroom flat, for example. <laughs> but you could have a fish, you know. You yeah, yeah, because <laughs> uh, pets are broad, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's not just dogs and cats, is it? I mean, yeah. you're talking all sorts of things, bunchy, right. whatever it might be. Or a venomous sex snake, oh, you know, That's right. If, if yes. that's what you fancy. Yeah, so. absolutely. I don't think I'd like to be the neighbour living no. next door to that. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not if you're next door with a rat or something <gasps> as a pet. They yes. scared the absolute living daylights out of me, so I, I think yeah. that would actually make me move. <laughs> <laughs> More than likely. Uh, all right. So, all, I mean, we, we've known for a number of years that there has been grumbling by investors mm. uh, that, you know, the, the tenants seem to have more rights than I do. Uh, but are we happy for this one to allow people to have their, their beloved pet to uh, to go through? I, well, I, th- I think I'm, I'm, I'm not a – I've never had pets. Um, just life is too busy. And, yep. Um, so um, – but, I you know, I've got friends who have got – who are – the pet is is part of the family. Oh, I can relate to that. And, and um, yes, you know, and and to deny them that ability to have their you know their pet come in and, and greet them when they walk in yep. the door at night, you know, I think that that would be tragic, you know. And I, I think it's, uh, look, I'm hearing you, but on the other side of that, I mean, is it just sort of part of what what happens there? I mean, I, I know myself. I grew up with dogs. My father was a mm. dog breeder. It's probably why I'm referring to dogs so much. I uh, and and I grew up with dogs and thought I was going to have dogs all my life, and then I started renting. And then the real 
realisation was, you know what, it's just not it's not going to happen because most of these people don't want me to have a pet. So I'm not going to do what some have done and try and hide it and pretend they're not there when, when the inspector comes and all that sort of stuff. So for years I went without it. And and probably I'm talking, you know, best part of 20 years, I, I didn't have a pet. And, and, and I lamented the fact. Now I have, you know, dogs and it's great, but that's my, my private property. But I think there's a I, difference. You know. I think there's a difference now because we see so many people who are accessing the rental market at yep. the moment who maybe um, owned a house, uh, had pets at that time when they owned the house and have now, for one reason or another, found themselves looking for a rental property. Yeah, yes. And so they've they've gone through that stage of not having pets and then they've got pets when at a time when they've owned a house and now yep. they're left in this you know season of change in their life. Yep. What we're talking about really is accessibility to housing and, and we do have a housing crisis. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we'd love to live in a perfect world where we think that all landlords are going to be reasonable and are going to assess each application on its merits. Mm. Um, But that doesn't happen because there's so many applications or so many um, rental advertisements that say that that's not the case. All this is doing, I think, is really saying that um, they have to assess it on the merits of each specific case. What is the animal that's proposed? What are the arrangements that are proposed? What are the specific houses? Landlords still have the right to say no. They just have to justify it and it has to fit within the category categories that are now specified as opposed to being able to just say, I don't like pets, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think Sarah Jane's brought up a really good point there. You know, you you get you will get the the landlord that is is going to be really tough. But you're you're also going to get renters that are going to abuse the situation. So yeah. there, there's always those outliers and you know the the laws can't fix every situation. So I I think it's just a I, step in the right direction. I actually think this is where the property managers are going to find it hard. I would hate to be a property manager. <laughs> yes. Imagine dealing Absolutely. with that situation. Oh, you know, dear, the, oh the landlord says this, the yes. tenant says, "No, I didn't do this," or yeah. "My dog didn't. My dog didn't dig that hole, or yeah. my dog didn't scratch that wall or the exactly. doorway." So I think I I really feel for the property managers because they're going to be the meat and the sandwich. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. But it comes into effect on the first of October. It'll be interesting to see if between now and the first of October, if a lot of people try and negotiate an early renewal of their lease or, you know, landlords mm. are trying to do it because they can, for now, mm. um, continue to enforce the, the no, blanket, pet. no pet rule with no mm. justification. Um, it's only for anything that renews after. So if you're a tenant and you're wanting to get a pet in there, maybe wait to renew until after the, f- the 1st of October if you can. Uh, from McDonald Law, Sarah J. McDonald, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Melissa Taylor, thank you for your time this morning. Thanks, Lee. You cannot be serious! Yes, I'm serious, and for the last 15 years, the Indian Premier League, or IPL, has turned the cricketing world on its head, offering players huge sums of cash to take part in a fast-paced, action-filled series that punters love to bet on right around the world. And I guess it was only a matter of time before someone came up with a way to illegally get a piece of that action, but I doubt anyone saw it happening quite like this. For two weeks, a gang of conmen managed to convince Russian gamblers that a group of farm labourers and unemployed kids playing cricket on a dusty field were in fact part of the IPL. The elaborate scam was so simple, it should never have worked. But it did. On a remote farm in India, as many as 21 everyday Indians pulled on colourful uniforms and strode out in front of cameras for a grift that involved halogen lamps, computer-generated graphics and crowd noise downloaded from the internet. Wearing jerseys from the actual IPL league clubs, including the Chennai Super Kings and the Mumbai Indians, the men were paid $5 a game 
to do their best professional cricket impersonations. Cameramen controlling as many as five HD cameras made sure to never show the entire ground. Instead, they focused on close-ups of the players and the umpire. Someone with the knack for mimicking one of the IPL's real Indian commentators, Harsha Bogle, was used to make the tournament appear authentic. All of it was being controlled by a mastermind who managed to convince Russian punters who watched on a YouTube channel to bet on the matches online. To make it even worse for the duped Russians, the tournament began three weeks after the actual IPL finished. But no, if I want to lose large sums of money betting on a group pretending to be professional sportsmen, I'll stick to the New South Wales Blues. Thank you very much. You cannot be serious! <laughs> <laughs>